This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Despite the fact that, as you know, I don't believe in time, I find myself often wishing I had more of it for the things I want to do, the things that give me joy and peace and spark my creativity. But often, it feels like life's obligations can be overwhelming, and I run out of energy for the things that really matter to me. Therapy is a great way to help not only hone in on what's truly important to you, but also to plan how to include more of it in your life. I've found that through therapy, I've become more adept at empowering myself through setting boundaries, making self-care a priority in my day, and making time for mindfulness and rest. As a result, I'm not so afraid of time anymore. If you're hoping to start therapy and are looking for a convenient and flexible way to include it in your schedule, BetterHelp is a great option. It's entirely online, you complete a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you have the ability to switch therapists anytime you like, at no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash darkcold today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash darkcold. Let's make time for a breath before this week's episode. Breathe in slowly. Observe the breath for a moment. And exhale gently. Let's begin. Hello, my dear friends. Welcome back. I have been eager to speak with you again this week, and I'm so happy that the time has finally come. How are you? Are you relaxing now? Perhaps it was a long day and you found a moment of quiet, and have decided so generously to give that moment to my voice. Or perhaps you're in the middle of chaos, right now, or headed there. Perhaps your day has only just begun, and you wanted to find a little oasis in the desert. Regardless, I am grateful that you've decided to share this time with me. It is not the exact time as I am sharing with you. Not exactly. But I am here, 
and I think I can feel this past time in which I am writing and speaking to you, leaking into your present time, whatever you're doing. Time doesn't really bother me anymore, so I won't let it get in the way of our communicating. The shadow, the frightening whistling thing with white moonlit eyes that stalked us in the forest last week, is gone. It has passed us by, at least for now, and the forest seems all the more beautiful for it. So much more red, so much more orange, so much more amber. The cold wind doesn't feel so cold when everything around you looks so very warm. But I was cold, which was why I was grateful when a group of strange human people entered my woods. They were both unafraid and reverent at the same time, dancing, singing, laughing, and chattering. They burned small, safe fires, and they ate together, unbothered by the growing cold. The smell of the fire brought my mysterious and gentle friend closer. He was pleased by the warmth and the burning wood. I was pleased by the sight of bread and cakes. I haven't seen such things as those in so long. The smell of them was wonderful. We were both pleased by their song and their joy. We watched them from high above, I in one tree and my friend down below. He does not climb trees with me, for you remember he is made of mostly fire, and it would be unwise. But he is happy to wait. Despite our distance, I could hear his voice in my ear, and he could hear mine in his. Should we introduce ourselves? Should we make them tremble? He asked me. Not maliciously for he knew that I derived an indulgent sort of pleasure from playing with humans and their fear. I wouldn't hurt them, no, but sometimes I can't help but play tricks. I thought about it before answering. I think not. I am happy to watch them. I would be sad to see them stop and we were pleased by their celebration, as they danced and began to play instruments and laugh even more heartily. I thought it might be an interesting moment to stop and draw a card for this week. A card for a story. What kind of story to tell? No, to be honest, and I must be honest. That is not the question I asked my cards this week. Whether or not I really am a spirit in the woods, I am, just not exactly in the way one might assume from my confused narrative. I tell you that as spirit and as hands shuffling a real physical deck of tarot cards in reality, I asked a specific question. I asked the cards, What kind of monster am I this week? This is something very secret that I'm sharing with you. I hope you do not mind. When in doubt, honesty is always a good way forward, I always say. I don't know why I asked that. 
I think it's because, through my stories, I learn more about myself and others. I see people so rarely. And if I tell you a story about someone, that someone is coming from a little dark room inside of me that I don't always open up. And I set them free. They are a little bit of me. And so, what kind of monster do I have in me this week to share with you? As these humans laughed and reveled not far from us at all, I can't deny that I wondered what kind of monster I should be towards them today. I was curious. So I shuffled, 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 cut the deck, and drew a card. I drew the chariot. The chariot, when it is upright. For two episodes ago, I drew this same card, but I drew it reversed. Represents confidence, the strength of one's will, determination, ambition. It indicates a steady-handed, controlled sort of focus with which we can achieve our goals. The chariot may test our conviction, but if we stay true to ourselves and our purpose, then the chariot will steer us to victory. Deserved and hard won. The chariot is the power that we have within us to fulfill our dreams and desires through dedication and clear-minded drive. It requires courage, and it requires knowing exactly who you are, what you want, and what you will and will not tolerate. Indeed, I have begun my journey this time around knowing exactly who I am and what I do and do not want in my life. I have toppled castles. I have defeated winged things of darkness and of light. I have flown up into the sky, and I have dived down deep into the sea. I have had many lives, and I have told many, many tales. I am formidable, but I do not want to fight anything. Not anymore. I want to rest. I want to watch the singing, the dancing, and the chattering people. I want to laugh. I want to have fun. That is what I want, and it is what I will use my great power towards attaining now. I don't want to struggle with or against others. But in case I do, I am formidable. This week, I am the chariot, unstoppable and determined. And so I will tell you a story. A story about another chariot. Another unstoppable spirit. Another determined woman. Someone maybe a little bit like me. Once upon a time, there was a terrible war. I say this knowing and hoping that you know that all war is terrible. And so this one I tell you about now was a terrible war. Country fought against country for no real reason that the soldiers in the battlefield fully understood. But they fought, and many soldiers fought with all of the strength in their bodies, all of the courage in their hearts, 
and all of the fear in their bones. Because they were told that that was what they were meant to do. I am not interested in discussing which country was right, which country was wrong, which was attacking, and which was defending. You do not need these details. On both sides of this war, wherever and whenever it took place, there were kind soldiers and cruel soldiers alike, unwilling recruits and willing volunteers alike. They were individuals with lives independent of their country's aims, and that is how we will understand them to be in this story. On the battlefield one day, a young soldier was hurt. He was shot in the arm. Not so badly that his life was threatened by the wound, but badly enough that he could not raise his own rifle or sword to defend himself. Looking around desperately, for what he didn't know, he prayed silently to himself that no one should find him in this state and finish the job. Where was the escape from this place? What could he do to protect himself in the middle of a battlefield, when he could not raise a weapon? Where could he hide to tend to his wound? These were not options for our poor little soldier, for there is no... Pardon the modern expression. There is no emergency exit on the battlefield. He knew he was looking for nothing, but he could not help himself but keep looking for it. It was as if he were trapped in an enormous dark room and looking for a door with no light. But it is in desperate moments like this when we are seeking, seeking, seeking that the strangest things come to find us. He saw, peering at him from a great distance, amid the horror of the battle, a peaceful doe grazing at a patch of blood-stained grass. But this was no ordinary doe, she was completely black. Her fur was darker than the hair he'd ever seen on even the most high-bred, beautiful horses in town. It was impossibly dark, and he was sure that it was sparkling, too. Her eyes were red. Her back was dappled with what he couldn't believe were little golden stars. She watched him, but casually, not afraid, even though soldiers were fighting each other for their lives all around her. He froze, looking at her, too amazed by her beauty to be concerned with the catastrophe all around him, too. She turned and slowly began to walk. He followed her, through the raging torrent of death and violence through the cries of pain and the sprays of blood. He walked, transfixed. At first he saw some soldiers glancing at him, or calling at him for aid. But eventually he stopped paying them any mind. He needed to follow the amazing animal in front of him. 
and how much more beautiful it was to be looking at her than at anything else in this awful place. He followed her away from the battle, which seemed to blur into the horizon, the noise and the clatter fading away gracefully. He followed her into a forest, at first green and natural. He only half noticed as the leaves on the trees began to turn black, too, and sparkle like the starlight, just like the doe he followed. The grass beneath his feet was black and dewy with starlight, too. The moon was so bright that he couldn't tell if the world around him was black or silver or both. How lovely. How did he not know how close he was to such a place? How had he ever let himself become convinced that anything was more important than being here? Up ahead he saw what appeared to be an inn. It was made of wood. Real wood, that is. Regular pine or spruce. Wood I could find in my forest, or that you could find in yours. Not the black, sparkling wood in this forest, in this story, in this podcast. A sign swung down above the door on a brown wooden plaque, and it had in beautiful black paint across it written the words, The Fallen Sword. On the other side of it, which he saw as he grew closer to inspect it, was indeed the image of a sword lying on the ground close to a shield, also carelessly set aside. From the inside, a warm, welcoming firelight glowed, and the sound of rowdy laughter and rollicking music rang out. In short, it was a marvelously inviting scene. Our soldier opened the door and walked in. In the tavern was set up one table and four chairs, Seated at the table, there were three soldiers, all in their own unique uniform, and they were playing cards, betting on tiny, colorful, flimsy chips. In the corner, there were several weapons cast aside. Shields, swords, pistols he didn't recognize. Knives with such a sheen he didn't know even existed yet. They were unceremoniously discarded, The strangeness of the weapons made him look again at the soldiers in their uniform. One uniform he recognized as being somewhat antique, though the soldier who wore it was not. Another uniform he recognized as being very, very ancient, almost like armor, and the young man wearing it, of course, was not. The third uniform he didn't recognize at all and our soldier found it strikingly crisp and angular in appearance. He didn't even understand the material it was made from. He did not know what country any of these soldiers were from. The fourth chair, however, was empty. The soldier in armor gently pushed it away from the table and towards the newcomer. Welcome, friend, he said and extended a hand in invitation. Can we deal you in? 
How strange it was to see someone wearing such ancient armor playing a game as modern as cards. How strange those little chips seemed against that armor. Our soldier didn't know what plastic was, but to your eyes and mine, these poker chips would appear to be made of that stuff. Our soldier moved to sit down, but was then reminded of his rifle and sword hanging at his sides by how uncomfortable they were. He removed them and flung them into the corner with the other weapons. Only after that did he sit down. There we are now, the soldier in the vaguely antique uniform said, and took a sip from his glass, frowning when he realized it was empty. Let's start another round. Wait a minute, the third in the strange streamlined uniform said, and took a clean serviette from the table. Take off your jacket. Our young soldier complied, realizing that his arm was still bleeding profusely. The other soldier quickly and carefully dressed his wound. There. Now we can play, he said with a wink and a grin. And the newcomer realized his arm didn't hurt at all anymore, and he could lift it without difficulty. The three soldiers taught him the game quickly and with ease. When the three had finished their drink and realized their new friend hadn't been given one yet, they all began to call out in friendly, jovial, musical tones to someone who they said must be in the kitchen. Within seconds, a woman entered carrying a tray with four pints of bubbling, crisp, yellow beer. She herself was bubbling and crisp. She seemed only a little older than the four soldiers at the table a woman in her prime compared to these young men still in the dawn of their lives. Her brown eyes were warm. Her red smile was welcoming. Her black hair was luxuriant and pleasantly sprinkled with silver strands here and there, tied up in a messy mass on top of her head. She wore a simple linen shift, thick brown peasant skirts, and a clean white apron, tied neatly with a bow in the back. She came out calling a happy greeting to them all, and handed them each their glass. When she handed one to the newcomer, she paused and smiled at him. Welcome. Welcome, young man, she said, and embraced him heartily. Oh, it's cold and awful out there, isn't it? But you're safe and warm now she said, her voice as sweet and warm as the fire that blazed in the hearth, and she practically danced back away into the kitchen. The men continued to play. They told stories, stories of battles long past, stories of childhoods now gone. They drank their ale. The young soldier with the bandage on his arm had many questions that entered his mind. Who were these soldiers? Where did they come from? Who did they fight for? Why was this tavern here? But when he thought about leaving and returning to battle, he found himself afraid of the answer to those questions. So he kept playing. He grew more comfortable, 
more ready to laugh, more ready to sing, more ready to tell stories. And when the beer ran dry, out came the mistress of the house again, her busy skirts and generous body bouncing joyfully with every step. And the soldiers were so pleased to see her again, and she them, as she shared a drink with them over song and words. After a few moments, as the wave of a great laugh between the five of them began to crest, the young man who was new to the group asked her in a bright voice, What country are you from? She stopped laughing, though the other men didn't. Her face grew cold and stern suddenly. But then she remembered to smile, and she did openly. Oh, a faraway place. I barely remember it. Now I live here. He nodded, a little confused by her answer. I see, he began, but arched his brow in confusion. But there is a great war raging. How has it not touched this tavern yet? Her smile disappeared again, and her eyes stayed fixed on his face. She said, this time with a chill and a great strength in her voice, Nothing can touch my tavern unless I say so. And, in a gesture he found terrifying to behold, he saw her smile slowly, very, very slowly, construct itself again. The corners of her lips pulled themselves up first. Then her upper lip followed. Then her bottom lip dropped a little to expose her sparkling teeth. And only then did her eyes soften and beam as they did before. And she turned and flounced off to the kitchen as if nothing had happened. He was terrified, as I said, but the terror faded with the warmth of the fire and the company of friends. They played a little longer. They spoke, they laughed, they finished their drinks. The young man remarked that he had been here drinking for some time, but did not feel tired or inebriated at all. He felt, if anything, energized and wonderful. When they had finished their round, of course the lady returned with another tray. She handed a drink to everyone, joking and laughing with each in turn. She tussled the hair of the one in armor. She pinched the cheeks of the one in what the soldier now could only logically assume was futuristic garb. She blew a kiss to the one in the antique regalia. And she only smiled at the young newcomer we've been following. A warm but cautious smile as she handed him his glass. No, thank you, he said softly. The conversation stopped entirely, but she did not lose her smile this time. You are welcome to do as you please, young sir, she answered cheerfully. She turned from him to return the tray with the one drink to the kitchen. What is the name of this forest? He called out after her 
she stopped in her tracks. Where are you from? He demanded, again standing. She did not turn. And finally, when he shouted at her, What is your name? She dropped her arms forcefully at her sides, the tray and the glass alike shattering on the ground. The three soldiers at the table grew silent and began to tremble. The fingers on her hands began to curl and twist with tension. They could only see her from behind, but her shoulders were beginning to hunch with rage, and her head lowered, and they could hear her whispering words in a language they did not know. All around them, her echoing whisper could be heard. The fire blew itself out all at once. The brown wood of the tavern began to grow black and rotted and dissolved all around them. The walls, the ceiling, the table, her skirts, and her apron began to fade away. Their eyes on her. They saw what appeared to be sinewy black vines crawl up from the ground and along her body to form her stunning, sleek gowns of sparkling black that covered every inch of her except for her face. Her silvery black hair climbed itself up into ornate twists, curling around what appeared to be a black crown on her head. She turned to face them as they realized they were on a battlefield. The land blood-soaked and burnt, Chaos all around them. Soldiers from ancient battles. Soldiers from old battles. Soldiers from new battles. And soldiers from future battles. All fighting one another. Because they were told to. Some because they believed in their cause. And some because they were afraid. Everywhere, chaos, violence, pain. They did not notice the woman in her glorious black gown, nor the four soldiers sitting on wooden chairs. She looked at them, her face cold and stern once more, her eyes red as that doze he'd seen earlier. Her lips were still red, though, and that red poured down from her mouth steadily and gently not because she had bitten someone or feasted on something alive, no. Blood streamed forth from her lips because she was a monster of mercy. Her heart bled for young soldiers who were afraid in battle and who sought a way out when they thought there was none. Her heart bled for young soldiers everywhere, barely more than boys or girls, who found themselves lost, defeated, and endangered, and without that emergency exit. She seduced them off the battlefield, she led them to safety, and she scooped them up in her warm embrace, where they would be young and safe, yet lost to the world forever. But what she was not was a liar. Is this better 
she said bitterly, her hands extended at her sides. Is this what you want? The three soldiers at the table lowered their eyes, because deep down, they knew that they had been pretending. They understood that they were locked in an eternal night at a wonderful tavern with a lovely owner and no bar tab. And they had decided that a life lived in fun and friendship, even away from the rest of the world, was far, far better than no life at all. Or better than taking the life of even one more soldier just like themselves. They had either known or decided not to know. It was a lie as beautiful and as sparkling as this queen of the battlefield. The youngest soldier, our newcomer, stood and stared into her eyes. He found them cold, yes. He found them cruel, indeed but he also found them quite sad. His arm ached again, and he knew he could not hold his rifle. He saw devastation and pain everywhere. Everywhere except for in her hands. Is this what you would prefer? She asked him. And though her voice was dark, she asked it in earnest. She would not keep anyone against their will. The young man shook his head, and his eyes filled with tears. Her brow arched, and she opened her arms out wide. He ran into her embrace, and she slowly encircled him in her grasp as he wept like a baby into her shoulder. He squeezed his eyes closed against the nightmare around him. And when he opened them, he saw the warm firelight of the tavern again. He felt the wooden floorboards under his feet. He smelled the burning wood and the beer. He heard his friends laughing and singing again. The woman who embraced him let go of him gently, and he saw her again in her white dress and apron and her brown skirts. Her eyes were brown again. Her lips were only reddened with rouge now, not blood, and her smile was genuinely huge and bright again. She laughed and kissed his forehead playfully before she headed back into the kitchen. There we are, yes, welcome, welcome, she said, delighted that he had chosen to remain. Queen of the battlefield, goddess of mercy, for all the pain and sorrow she could hold in her body, her love of fun and joy could so easily overtake her, for even powerful things such as she was loved to play. She had been baking bread for these young soldiers, barely more than children, and barely less than her own children now they were. 
and as they could all smell it, she ran off to the kitchen with her usual sing-song exit. And they all sang their thanks to her out into the night. I know very little of war. I know that I want no part of it. I know that sometimes we must fight to protect what we love. I know that nothing is clear, nothing is black and white, and I do not presume to give advice or hold myself in such, such high esteem as to tell you what must be important to you and what must not be. But I too despise fear and pain and hate. I too despise violence. I've told you this before and again and again and again. I visited the tavern. I visited the fallen sword. Because I can find hidden things. Things from other worlds. Things outside of time. I'm good at that, aren't I? I don't think I hid my monstrous appearance. But I don't think the patrons noticed it either. Or they didn't care. I walked right in, and I introduced myself, and I sat down. The place was full of soldiers by this point. There were several tables set up, and at each were people from different times and places. All the best of friends, really. And the lady of the house saw me for what I was. I saw her for what she was. We are both creatures outside of the world, outside of time and place, and yet very much a part of it as well. I smiled, and she was so relieved at that, that she smiled too, because at the end of the day, even spirits such as us want fun now and again, and we deserve it too. We can win that for ourselves. We are the chariot, after all. I remembered this story, watching these mortals during their harvest celebration. As they erupted into laughter, so did I. And the birds flew from the trees singing and calling out to the sky. That is my laughter, too and my stranger beneath the tree laughed a little as well, and the campfire the humans had made blazed a little more brightly and warmly. Of course they're not real, these humans I'm speaking of. They're what I wish I was watching, and what I wish I was blessing. They are in my magical forest, where I am made of falling autumn leaves and crisp wind and the smell of campfires. But you are real. And I wish fun and joy for you. And for me. We deserve that. Good night, my friends. Dream sweetly.
Hello, everyone. Thank you, as always, for tuning into episode 114 of On a Dark Cold Night. This is Kristen Zaza, the writer, host, composer, performer, podcaster, storyteller, etc. behind the show. I hope you've been doing well since we last spoke. The trees outside my window are a little more orange. Looking forward to watching the change. Every week I write my episode looks a little different from the week before, and I don't know why I find that really nice. First off, I'd like to give a shout-out to a couple of great Toronto podcasts, also members of the Sonar Network, who I had the privilege of appearing on in episodes that dropped this week. The first one you may have heard me talk about a couple weeks ago is called One More Round with Trisha Black. Trisha is an amazing comedian and an all-around great person, and we had a really fun conversation about horror, about ghosts, about podcasting, about the moon, about lots of other great stuff. So, uh, please check out One More Round with Trisha Black at thesonarnetwork.com slash one, that's O-N-E, spelled out. Um, so uh, let me try that again. Thesonarnetwork.com slash one dash more dash round. The second podcast you can find me being a very silly guest on this week is called Spooked with an exclamation mark at the end. I was a guest on episode 253, and we had a great time talking about this podcast, about uh, the supernatural, we played a super fun horror-related Would You Rather, and we improvised a ridiculous story about a shoemaker stealing the souls of children. It was a lot of fun, so if you're looking for something Halloween-y, but also very, very silly, check them out at their Sonar Network page. It's at thesonarnetwork.com slash spooked. Big thanks to Cody and Damien at Spooked, exclamation mark, and again to Trisha for being such warm and welcoming hosts. I had a really great time. Also, speaking of Sonar, the Sonar Network is currently running a really, really cool fan art competition for its shows. If you have some On a Dark Cold Night fan art you want to submit, the rules are that you need to follow Sonar on social media. They're on Instagram and Twitter under the Sonar Network, all one word and post your submission using the hashtag SonarFanArt, and tag them as well. One submission per person, the deadline is October 15th, and the prize is a pair of Studio Regent headphones valued at $130. So hey, please feel free to submit your stuff. I would absolutely love to see it, and best of luck. Now to my usual business. If you're interested in supporting the show through a monthly donation, all of my monthly patrons via Patreon receive access to the soundtrack of the show. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, visit me on Patreon at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. If you're not interested in that perk and want to help out with a one-time donation instead, you can help out by buying me a coffee or however many metaphorical coffees you like at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. Also, as always, we have t-shirts and hoodies for the show available for purchase at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. I'd like to take a moment to thank iTunes listener Pink Zoe's BB, who left me a five-star rating and a very, very kind review of the show. Thanks so much, Pink Zoe's BB. If you'd like to support On A Dark Cold Night in a similar way, I would love it if you left me a review and a rating on iTunes. Stitcher, our Facebook page, or wherever else you're able. You can also follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, and I'm on Facebook and YouTube just under the page names On A Dark Cold Night. 
Thank you so much for stopping to listen this week, everyone. Whoever you are and wherever you are, continue to take care of yourself and be gentle with yourself as the weather grows colder. If I have a suggestion for you this week, and if you're looking for one, I don't know, it's to appreciate peace and quiet when you can. I used to be very afraid of it, and lately I'm finding it really wonderful and therapeutic in a very simple way. So maybe I'll leave you with that suggestion. Thanks again, my friends. Good night and sweet dreams. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.